0: This episode of All the Books is sponsored by Book Riot's own Read Harder Journal. Created by us, this smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read. Evenly interspersed among the entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up passed over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books. Get a new perspective on current events by Reading a book written by an immigrant, find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Each challenge ins- includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations from us that fulfill the challenge. And please note, the challenges in the journal are not connected specifically to the 2019 Read Harder initiative or any particular year. So if you're participating with Read Harder online, you'll get extra bonuses in this Read Harder journal and space to record thoughts about all the books you read. Go to bookriot.com slash journal to learn more.
1: You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 191, and today we are talking about books being released on January 15th, 2019 and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com.
0: Hello. Hi! How are you doing?
1: I uh, am doing amazing, thank you for asking. I did throw my back out, that's no good. But, so, I have exciting news. Oh, totally. Exciting, exciting for me. I don't know, it's not book related, but uh, I'm so thrown now that we record this like five days earlier than we used to, I don't know what day <laughs> it is anymore. So, by the time you hear this... Mm-hmm. Uh, I will have already shared this news on the internet, I'm sure, and you probably will have already heard me squealing from wherever you are in the world. Um, we adopted two kittens. Yay! <laughs> I'm so excited. They're little orange fluffy babies, and I get to go <laughs> pick so them wonderful. up tomorrow.
0: Do you have names so. picked out?
1: I do. I name them Farouk and Zevon. Oh. Uh, Farouk being Freddie Mercury's mm-hmm. birth name. And Zevon for Warren Zevon, my I ride or die, it. dead musician. So, but we'll probably end up calling them like Freddie and Z. Yeah. So, oh, that's uh, really
0: cute. What a good. I feel very good that we have had a we had some rough pet times here in all the books, and now we're gonna yeah. have some. We're gonna continue with baby pets. Yes,
1: two little fuzzy band aids to put over this hole in my heart. <laughs> all the little fur babies.
0: All the so, little fur babies forever.
1: Yes. So that's my exciting news.
0: I'm so you. pleased Jasper will be very delighted to have some feline cousins.
1: Yes, they almost have the same hair color. Oh, right. Ginger kittens.
0: Mm-hmm. It's perfect. I'm so excited for perfect. you. Liv. I can't wait to hear. Oh. Well,
1: <laughs> we haven't you. been together
0: on this show in four weeks, and now we're At already least. punning. <laughs> yeah, we got some
1: gossip out of the way, and now we've got the cute animal talk out of the way, and how about
0: some book talk? I think, you know, I think that's what they're paying us for, so we probably should.
1: I have been sitting on this book for so long. Not literally sitting on it, although that would explain (laughs) my back pain. Uh, But I have been waiting to talk about this book for so long. It's so good. It's No Exit by Taylor Adams. This is a pulse-pounding, blow-your-mind thriller. I mean, seriously, it it, it was a -a thrill-a-minute. I just, I could not get over how much I enjoyed this book. Um, It's about a young woman named Darby. She's kind of a perpetual screw-up. She's not doing very well in school. She's kind of has a rough relationship with her mother and sister, and now she has received the news that her mother is dying, and so she's driving from college to see her mother. However, in between that, she encounters the craziest winter storm that has ever occurred, and has to pull over in a rest area. So now she is stranded, in a rest stop, like inside the building, uh, with four strangers. There's Ed, who appears to be a veterinary technician. Uh, his, what she thinks is, or who she thinks is, his wife Sandy, who's like this bossy older lady. Uh, there's a young man named Ashley, and then there's this creepy guy named Lars. He's like this total mouth breather who's like sitting too close to her. And there's no cell phone service before the phones died. Uh, They said they, the police said they couldn't get any emergency vehicles out there to help them until the morning, so they all just have to sit tight inside. Um, So they're kind of going about, like, just chit-chatting, playing cards, you know, just like the usual. She goes outside, uh, Darby goes outside to check something in her car, and as she's walking back by a van, she notices something in the back, and that something is a small child locked in a cage. Oh no. Yeah, there's a small girl in a cage in the back of this van. And now she doesn't know what to do. She's like, I'm stranded with these four strangers. I don't know whose van this is. I don't know wh- who this girl is. She can't She can't get her out. She, she's like, what do I do? I had to figure out how to get this girl out without alerting the kidnappers that I've let this girl go. But then once I get her out, like, what am I going to do with her? Who do I trust? I don't know who did this. And so it's like this cat and mouse game. It's bananas. Darby ends up being like the John McClane of that rest area. She's like, <laughs> there's like... Oh, she takes a lot of lumps. She MacGyvers a lot of stuff. It's just, it's so much fun. Um, I actually, I read a third of it. I I went into a blind, I read a manuscript, I read a third of it, and I knew immediately, uh, just from that first third, that this was a William Morrow book, and I knew that it had to be Joe Hill's editor, because it has Ah. her fingerprints all over it. If you like Joe Hill, it's very Joe Hill. It's not for everyone... I was looking online, and the people who who seem unhappy with it dislike the language, of which there is a lot of bad words, uh, <laughs> and there is some very grisly violence. She takes some hits, uh, so if if that is not your thing, then this is not the book for you. But I could not put it down; it was so much fun, uh, and I had this really crazy theory that was not true at all, but I kind of wanted it to be true. But <laughs> it, I was like, oh, I never figured out what it was, so it was great. Um, Again, it is called No Exit, and it is by Taylor Adams.
0: Awesome. My first pick this week is also thrillery. It's called Last Woman Standing by Amy Gentry. Um, She wrote Good is Gone, which I read a couple of years ago and really liked. And this one, let me trigger warning it from the beginning because the whole plot revolves around some Me Too kinds of themes. So if you do not want to be reading about things related to um, sexual assault and harassment, like this is just not going to be the book for you. Um, There is also some like relatively grisly violence In short bursts. Um, The main character of this book is a woman named Dana Diaz. She is a stand up comedian. She's competing in, she lives in Austin, Texas, and she is competing in Austin's like funniest person in Austin contest, something like that, um, for. Like, who's the best local comic? Um, she's already, you know, she's had some disadvantages because it's really hard being a woman in the world of comedy. She's also a woman of color, so that's really tough. And there are very few women of color um, in the world of comedy. It remains a guy's game and, like, largely a white guy's game. So she has um, done a set at a club. She's sitting down to have a drink. This woman um, that she doesn't know sits down to, you know, have a drink next to her, starts complimenting her on her set. They start talking. Um, The woman confides in her um, that she has moved back to Austin after having been harassed and assaulted while living in Los Angeles. And um, actually, sorry, they start talking to each other about those experiences. Dana was harassed recently in LA before she moved to Austin. This other woman says... Me too. Like they have a me too conversation live. They're strangers, but they have this conversation. And um, the other woman turns out to be a genius computer programmer. She says like, what's the name of the guy who did that to you? I'll take care of it. Like – and, you know, don't ask any questions, but I'll take care of getting some revenge on him. Um, she does. I won't tell you how. And they strike up a deal with each other to exact revenge on each other's assailants. And they each have more than one experience. As um, as women in the world, no. Um, this tends, you know, women and non-binary folks, trans people, like, you know, if you've had one experience, you've likely had multiples. Um, so they strike up this, you know, this is a good like uh, revenge fantasy thing going on, except they're doing it in real life and they're taking a lot of risks. Um, But then Dana comes to find out that one of the people like Amanda is not entirely who she says she is, of course. And one of the people on her list that she wants Dana to extract revenge on is um, someone that Dana is going to be hesitant to do that. Too, She doesn't know what the truth is anymore or which side to believe. It's very twisty-turny. There are some, you know, satisfying, like, the Me Too stuff has been hard, and there have been moments, I think, of, like, that a revenge fantasy would have been, like, a relief or would have felt good in some way. And so Amy Gentry leans into that in the writing and the women's conversations in the book lean into that feeling of like things that people who have experienced sexual harassment and assault have probably thought like, oh, man, I would love to like, you know, hit this guy over the head. Um, but here's you know kind of what happens if you actually do that. And of course, it's not great. Um, but it's a great twisty-turny thriller. I read it in one sitting over the weekend. Um, and it's, I think, cool to see women taking back these stories, like Especially in the land of mystery and thriller, which the books often revolve around horrible things happening to women. Um, We have now some thrillers that are about, that are set in that same idea, and now in the contemporary world of Me Too, but that are about what really happens, like what the women's experiences are. And instead of the focus of the story being men doing awful things to women, it's women coping with those experiences and trying to move through them. Um, so I think that's pretty significant to see that shift. I recently also read um, The Current by Tim Johnston, which is coming out next month, and I'll be talking about it. Um, but also another thriller that takes a different look um, at violence against women. Uh, so that was Last Woman Standing by Amy Gentry.
1: I really liked Good Is Gone, too. Yeah. This was it's- her last one.
0: They're good surprises. Like, Megan Abbott blurbs um, Last Woman Standing, and I think, like, it's kind of hard to touch Megan Abbott, but I I trust her endorsements, uh, and I really liked this one. Awesome. Yes.
1: Would you please tell us about our sponsor?
0: I would be delighted to. uh, Our first sponsor this week, support for today's show, comes from Warby Parker. Um, I am wearing Warby Parker eyeglasses as I say these very words um i know i love warby parker um so here's the deal by selling directly to their customers online and in stores warby parker offers high quality great looking eyewear and it starts at just 95 dollars. that includes the frames the lenses and anti-scratch coatings but how can you buy glasses online it's actually really simple um, Warby Parker has a totally free home try-on program. So you go online you can pick out five different pairs of glasses they ship them to you, you can wear them around your house for five days take selfies, send them to your friends show them to your partner, decide which ones you like the best you send back the home try-ons and then if you you know love a pair of them, you order, but there's no obligation to buy. It's 100% free to do this home try-on. It's really, really easy. I've done it multiple times um, and I'm currently wearing the Oliver Frame in the whiskey tortoise color. Uh, also, everything. Whiskey tortoise. Robert Parker.
1: Did you say whiskey, whiskey tortoise. tortoise? That's my new band name. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah it's like a turtle it's a tortoise shell like you know style um or color i guess but they're yeah the frame is called oliver and the color is whiskey tortoise
1: okay carry on
0: sorry (laughs) yeah so if i don't know if you follow me on instagram and you like my glasses you can get them from warby parker um everything from warby parker ships for free and it includes a prepaid return label and best of all (laughs) For every pair of Warby Parker glasses that you buy, a pair is distributed to someone in need. The glasses are stylish, they're lightweight, they're really high quality. I, as I said, I've done the Home Try-On program multiple times. Um, the process of uploading the... Uploading your prescription in order to, you know, have your lenses be made correctly is also really simple. Um, I left a pair of Warby Parker glasses in a seat back pocket on one of the flights to New Zealand a few years ago, and I was able to log on to my Warby Parker account from our hotel room in Auckland, order new glasses, and they were at my house before. We even got back from the trip. Um, it's just super simple. I also have Warby Parker sunglasses. So if you don't wear prescription glasses, but you're looking for some like cool, fashionable, um, very well made and won't totally break the bank sunglasses, you can check out Warby Parker as well. I'm such a fan. I've been wearing their glasses for years and I'm really thrilled to have them sponsoring the show. If you want to try out the experience, go to warbyparker.com. That's W A R B Y parker.com slash all. All the books to get started with a free home try-on. You can check out the Warby Parker app in the iTunes store, warbyparker.com slash all the books to find your perfect pair of glasses today. Whiskey tortoise. I know. It's perfect, right?
1: <laughs> when the alcohol makes you too slow to do anything.
0: He has found- a <laughs> <Anyway>. whiskey tortoise. Anyway. <laughs> I've been thinking about getting new glasses because I got these when my hair was hot pink and I didn't want like bright colors on my face clashing with the hot pink. But I'm like now that I have not my hair is not quite as mermaidy. I've been thinking about getting some new frames with some color in them. So I'm going to be doing this. Mermaid tortoise. (laughs) (laughs) Whiskey mermaid. I think we'll stick with whiskey tortoise. It's it's, like too perfect.
1: (laughs) Speaking of awesome, I'm excited to tell you about my next book. Which I think I mentioned that I had read, I think I read this in June of last year. Oh my gosh. Sometimes books come out very early and I get very excited and read them then. It's The Dreamers by Karen Thompson Walker. She wrote Age of Miracles, which is this amazing novel. If you haven't read it, it's sort of like this coming of age novel, but at the same time, it's a little science fiction y because there's a problem with the Earth and the Earth's rotation is starting to slow down, which you're like, eh. But, actually, that's a big deal. (laughs) It changes a lot of things. So, it's fantastic. Um, This one is another, like, a little science fiction-y, eerie, uh, great literary phenomena. It's about people in a small college town. And they start falling victim to a perpetual sleep sickness. Uh, It's just this little tiny college. And the first victim is a girl. She falls asleep in her dorm room. And she doesn't wake up. And, like, no matter what her roommate May does, she can't wake her up. And so they get the doctors, and the doctors can't wake her up. And they bring her to the hospital, and they don't know what's wrong with her. She just continues to sleep. And after a little while, someone else falls victim to this sleeping sickness. And it's like, first it's on their floor, and so they, they, they quarantine the floor. But then it's getting out into their town, and so now the government gets involved. They quarantine the entire town. So now all these people are, are stuck in this town. Parents can't see their children at the school. Um, it focuses mainly on three characters. There's May, who was the roommate of the first victim, um, and she's go, she is herself seems to be immune, so she's helping out. Uh, there is a house with a uh, sort of angry survivalist and his two daughters. Uh, his wife has passed away, and he's gone a little apocalyptic, um, end-of-worldy, and sort of boarded them up in this house, and he doesn't let them out, and... So it's about their experience inside the house because um, they're kind of, like, prepared for the end of the world. Uh, but even when you're prepared, you're not prepared. Right. And then there's one for the, there's, their neighbor is this young couple, and they have a brand-new baby, and so they're, like, terrified that, that the baby is going to get this sickness. Um, it's so beautiful and eerie, but um, it's also, like, a little scary because it's very intense, and then there there was something that happened, I think I mentioned this before, there was, like, I was reading, and it's something that just happened, and it made me gasp out loud, and I had to set the book down, and, like, walk around, because I was like, wasn't expecting that, wasn't expecting that, wasn't expecting that,
0: but <laughs> it was just, best. like,
1: so matter-of-factly, it was fantastic, so... And I love like a quiet epidemic, like slow approach of the end of times sort of novel, you know? Mm -hmm. It has like shades of Station 11 and the Book of M and, and also more of, you know, what she did in Age of Miracles, which is just a wonderful book. So this one is called The Dreamers and it is by Karen Thompson Walker. All right.
0: My next pick this week is Thick and Other Essays by Tressie McMillan Cottom. She is a sociologist. She happens to be based here in Richmond at Virginia Commonwealth University. I've enjoyed following her on Twitter for years. I've actually had friends who have taken her classes, so it was really exciting that like she has a whole book out and I'm not just reading her work online. It's a collection of eight essays about race, class, identity, beauty, gender, the media, money, sort of like everything and because she is a like she's a scholar. Um, it does take a bit of a scholarly tone. I was trying to think about like where to place this among other essay collections that I've read in the last few years. And like, if *Eloquent Rage* by Brittany Cooper is an academic, like really coming down to speak to lay people, *Thick* is an academic, um, challenging lay people to engage with um, some slightly more academic ideas. I think if you've taken like if you've taken some basic sociology classes, you're going to be just fine. Um, if you haven't, you'll probably also be just fine. But you'll be introduced to some new ideas or you might need to do some Googling. Um, we don't have nearly enough um, publication on the large scale since yet, you know, from mainstream publishing of feminist theory and of um, sociology through the lens of personal essays, especially um, by black women scholars. And it's really exciting to see this collection. Um, it did remind me of, um, of Brittany Cooper's work. I think Um, there's like some, it's interesting to like follow the threads of black women thinkers over the last couple of decades as well. And she starts by talking about how, Um, the personal essay is a form that has typically not been opened to people of color, to women of color in particular. Like if you're reading about things online, it's like, well, the personal essay, it's mostly like white women get to tell their stories. And these are the lives that we consider to be important. So she's taking back a form or um, really taking it, um, taking a form, claiming it for herself that um, black women haven't traditionally been able and women of color in general, haven't been able to be published writing in and then she's because she is the scholar that she is her personal essays are infused with these big picture ideas about sociology about how our culture works and how it's put together um about like it covers everything from like life in the south and living in a bigger body being a girl who matured early to things like um also to like sexual violence to things like um infant mortality there's this really broad range of of topics and she's just interested in so many things. And like I love that in a person. I find it to be very compelling. I think it's really compelling in a collection of essays like this, where um you can see the academic brain and the like the professional curiosity running through this collection of essays. And it's like, oh, and this applies to this thing and this other thing and this other thing. Like sort of she's really excellent at combining ideas and Um, ideas and topics and experiences that you wouldn't necessarily expect to go together, but the way that she links them, it's like, oh, of course. Um, It's just, it's thoughtful. It's really funny as well. I really appreciated her voice and um, that she's super self-aware. She has a real sense of how she comes across in the world and how she comes across in writing. And she writes about the feedback that she gets online and what that's like and how it's different from feedback she might get if she were from a different racial background or if she were a man and that sort of like meta analysis of her work I found to be really compelling too. Um So the collection again is Thick and Other Essays by Tressie McMillan Cottom and it came out last week on January 8th. I really want to read that. It's so good.
1: Oh, okay.
0: I just, I'm going to like see if I can sneak into one of her classes at VCU or oh, something.
1: that'd be cool. mm mm-hmm. Um, I had to change positions. My back is killing me. If if someone were to see me now, it looks like I'm in an air tower trying to talk a passenger, how, teach a passenger how to land a plane because the pilot has passed out. I'm like oh. leaning over the, the microphone, <laughs> <laughs> and I can see myself in the mirror, and it's making me laugh. Aww. All right, my next pick is a quiet little classic novel called The Orphan of Salt Winds by Elizabeth Brooks. Out from Tin House. Love Tin House. Uh, it's If you like little quiet gothic novels where you think you can smell the salt on the breeze and hear the reeds mm. blowing around, then this is the book for you. It's about Virginia. She is a ten-year-old orphan, and she goes to live in a isolated house. I can't talk. She goes to live in an isolated house by a marsh in England. It's 1939. Uh, she has been adopted by Clem and Lorna. Uh, and she's really worried about being liked. She wants them to want to keep her. Uh, so she's being very careful. Uh, she really takes to Clem. Clem is very friendly and outgoing, but Lorna is more reserved and not very affectionate, and she doesn't particularly care for her. And she does not like Clem's friend Max at all. Like, and she sort of has that child's intuition, which is, you know, foreshadowing. Um, it's also obvious that Clem and Lorna's marriage is in trouble, and there are some secrets going on there. And then, a German pilot crashes his plane into the marsh, and it takes a dark turn of events. You know how I love a dark turn of events.
0: I do indeed.
1: And then horrible things happen. So I'm not going to say any more about what that is, but I will just say that later on, Virginia returns to make sense of what happened that day and that year, many years later. Many, many years later. Like, 2015. So, like, she's elderly um it's just so atmospheric it has shades of rebecca and jane ear and uh, did i say jane ear oh goodness. no you
0: said air you said air
1: <laughs> did i mention my back hurts <laughs> <laughs> so it's just lovely and it is called the orphan of salt winds by elizabeth brooks All right. and now for something <laughs> completely different let's do it Today's show is also sponsored by As Long As We Both Shall Live by Joanne Cheney. You can't be married to someone without sometimes wanting to kill them. As Long As We Both Shall Live is the new novel from Joanne Cheney, author of What You Don't Know. Book Riot reviewers have been buzzing about it for months now, calling it sharp, insightful, and darkly funny, and already the thriller of 2019. If you're a fan of domestic thrillers, this is the one for you to check out, filled with surprising twists and lots of secrets. I wanted to talk about this book today, but because we don't... discuss books that have sponsored the show Mm because of, you know, conflict of interest. But I want you to know that I do love it. It's fantastic. I loved her her first book, which was What You Don't Know, which I talked about on the show. And I have to say, I will read books about cannibals, I can read books about (laughs) zombies, I can read books about anything. The paperback cover of What You Don't Know gives me the creeps. Like, that is saying something. It really is. Oh, it's so distressing. (laughs) It's amazing. Like, well done.
0: They should right. build an ad campaign around this book gave Liberty Hardy the curse
1: <laughs> I love that book. But As Long As We Both Shall Live is fantastic. It's about a man whose wife dies under sort of mysterious circumstances. Wasn't an accident? Wasn't it an accident? And then many years later, another woman dies who happens to be married to the same man. Hmm. And now things look a little more suspicious. It's so awesome. I loved it. And I know Jamie loves it, and we talked about it. We both talked about it a whole bunch last year, so that at this point, when I see it blurred by Book right, I'm like, I don't remember if I said that or <laughs> Jamie said that. Um, just know that we love it. And again, it is called As Long As We Both Shall Live by Joanne Cheney. It's out now from Flatiron Books, and we thank them for sponsoring.
0: Cool. Alright, so I guess I'm up now. You're up. This one is straight from the Shinsky wheelhouse. It's called <laughs> The Good Food, a cookbook of soups, stews, and pastas. It came out last week on January 8th. It's a reissue. The first edition came out in 1985. And when that happened, it was one of the first cookbooks to do um, like casual at-home cuisine. And it really is considered a classic of the genre. It pulls from a bunch of different cooking styles and cooking traditions from um, American classics, Italy, France, India, Morocco, and the Middle East. It's by Daniel Halpern and- and Julie Strand, they they bring together more than two hundred recipes, and there's just all kinds of like basic stuff, and also sort of you know some surprising ones. Um, you there's a great jambalaya recipe. Um, there's a lamb stew. I'm looking at the online listing now to remind myself of some of the things in here. Um, penne with black olive puree and ricotta. Um, this is perfect for this time of year. If it's cold where you are, it's going to snow where I am this weekend. You want to be eating that really like simple, hearty food, things that are easy to make but will taste so good, and the good food is a great resource for that. Like Who does not want a big bowl of pasta or a stew when it's February and it's snowing? Like You just can't do much better than this. Um, So this reissue is really beautiful. I'm really happy to be adding this to my cookbook collection. Again, it's The Good Food, a cookbook of soups, stews, and pastas. It's by Daniel Halpern and Julie Strand.
1: 1985. That was a long time ago
0: now. And like cooking culture was really different then because the internet and really food TV things shifted like everything about how we think about like what the – especially the average like American thinks about cooking. Um, so the shift away from like the good housekeeping, or I guess the discrepancy between like the good housekeeping cookbook and the joy of cooking um, in and what this like the original version in 1985 did was really start to shift the conversation towards like you can eat really delicious food, but it can be simple and casual. You don't have to be cooking your way through Julia Child and the art of French cooking. You don't have to know how to make all of the like fancy French sauces in order to have good food at home. Um, I think we take it for granted now that sort like casual, easy but delicious cooking is a thing. And it's a thing because of mostly food TV. Um, but it was not always a thing in the way that cookbooks are made. And the good food was pretty significant in doing that.
1: Make sure you have lots of scrunchies on hand so you don't get your side <laughs>
0: ponytail in your soup. <laughs> Unplug the crimper before you hit the kitchen. <laughs>
1: Don't get anything on your jams. <laughs> okay, my last pick today. I I have to say I'm very sorry. I've only read half of it because, as I might have mentioned, um, as long as we both shall live was a sponsor of the show today, <laughs> and I somehow completely missed that.
0: Oh, Even though I happen. asked,
1: I asked the ad people to explicitly tell me. I continued to be dumb about it, uh, so I had to grab something else quickly. Um, so I've read uh, like a third of it, and it's wonderful so far. It's called The Far Field. And it's by Madhuri Vijay. His last name is spelled B-I-J-A-Y. And it's about a young woman named Shalini. And she has sort of led a spoiled uh, life. Uh, But her mother has passed away. And now she's adrift. And she's seeking something. So she travels to a remote Himalayan village. uh, Because she remembers a Kashmir salesman who used to visit her childhood home. And she thinks that he knows something about her mother and her past. Um, But the politics of the time are threatening to turn ugly and she sort of like placed herself in danger by visiting this village. And, uh, you know, like I said, I haven't gotten very far into it, but the writing is just incredible. I know it's received, like, a million, like, awards or accolades or, you know, commendations, reviews, whatever, all those
0: <laughs> words. <laughs> all the good things. Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, it's it's supposed to be, like, an incredible meditation on grief and compassion. So I'm just really enjoying it, and I'll let you know how it is when I finish it. Uh, so that is The Far Field by Madure Vijay.
0: Okay, my last pick this week, also one that I'm only halfway through because they didn't send galleys out and it came out on. (gasps) I know. Did you start it? I did start it. Yep. You beat Um, me. Yep. They didn't send galleys out. It came out on t- last Tuesday, January 8th. We are recording this on January 10th, so I am just not done with it yet. It's The Truths We Hold, An American Journey by Kamala Harris. Um, she, as you are probably familiar with, is a senator and just an all-around badass, which I have decided we are allowed to say on this episode of this show. Um, she takes a really uh, – she's from California. She takes a really holistic approach. She likes data. I find her to be like very logical and very practical and very grounded in reality about how politics work and about what pro- progressive values are. Um, I just really like her a lot. And there's a lot of anticipation that she's going to announce a campaign for presidency. So this is 100% a campaign memoir. And I think it's important to know that going in. Um, there was, If you want to like get into the details of that, there was a good piece about it on NPR this week. But I'll say like if um, if becoming by Michelle Obama or I think especially if What Happened by Hillary Clinton was a book that you loved because it was like a woman in politics just like speaking the unvarnished truth about her life that is not what this book is it is still a very good book you will learn a lot about Kamala Harris um, and there's a lot that I didn't know about her you know just from seeing her on the news and reading about her in the Washington Post um, so it's been great to learn more about this person that I'm going to. You know, very likely have as someone to consider as a presidential candidate Um, in the near future. Would I like, what do I need to know about her? Would I want to vote for her? The book is very helpful in that way. But I think it's just useful to hold in mind that all books have an agenda. And this book's agenda... Primarily is um, setting her up for a major campaign. Um, so there's, you know, like not a whole lot of exploration of mistakes that she's made. Um, there are mentions of very specific values and like the anecdotes that she offers are typically or they seem at least intended to display a certain value so it's not just like here's my story it's here are pieces of my story very strategically selected to show you certain things about me that I think will make you compelled to vote for me for president Um, and I think that's a fine reason to write a book candidates do it all the time Um, it's just good to know uh, going in that like that is what you're going to get um but I, i'm finding it to be really interesting and i'm looking forward to finishing it so that is the truths we hold by kamala harris all right okay
1: that was pretty funny the other day i was like i got this book and you're like i want that book i was like i'll send it to you and you're like wait never mind the mail here here it is <laughs> <laughs> all through the internet of course that was me doing a live reading of the internet
0: <laughs> conversation yeah it happened very quickly too yeah. i was like oh yes yeah, send it to me wait i just opened my mail <laughs> um yeah okay we made it through new books newish books um yeah. what are you gonna read next or are you just gonna count the hours until the <sighs> come? i know right
1: i'm actually in the parking lot at the shelter right now <laughs> you I'm have set waiting. up a tent <laughs> <laughs> that's what's happening um well, I think uh, so. Let's let's bring it down again. Um, I got this amazing book from some friends. Uh, I have some friends in Euro places, and it's called Eggshell Skull by Bree Lee, and it's a memoir. Uh, Bree Lee was a judge's associate in Queensland, Queensland District Court, uh, and two years later, she was assaulted and returned to the system as a, a victim and as a witness. In, in her case, and it's sort of like how um, she was on the other side of, of her work, like what mm. it was like to, to be on the other side. Um, and I don't that's all I really know about it, um, except that the cover is amazing. It's like this baby pink with this skull with a moth over its mouth, super creepy. I love it. Not as creepy as that Joanne Cheney book. That book gives me nightmares. Um, <laughs> but it I've heard such amazing things from insiders who live in australia and other people on the internet so i'm excited to read it
0: uh, we need you- a like liberty scale of creepiness oh yeah i don't know what
1: it is about that cover but
0: whew. it should be uh, like uh, how I- many spiders does this
1: book? <laughs> <laughs> spiders upset people
0: <laughs> um, what are you going to read next i am going, going to read what oh as i said well you're
1: finishing the harris
0: I am going to finish the Kamala Harris, and I'm going to read. I'm so excited about this book. It is a real title. Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders and How to Fix It <laughs> by Tomas Chamorro from Music. Um, it's coming out in a couple of weeks from Harvard Business Review Press. He is or it's coming out in March. Um, he is a psychologist who is looking at our tendency to, and I'm reading from the jacket copy here, um, our tendency to equate leadership with personality traits that are statistically more likely to be found. London men. Not to mention that we socialize men to have and to value, but it reward that we have this pathological system that rewards in business male traits. Um, and then those same male traits can backfire and can show up as overconfidence and as narcissism or even total psychopathy. Um, we see it in business, we see it in um, politics. Um, and it doesn't work super well. And then we complicate that by encouraging women to lean in and to adopt these same dysfunctional leadership traits. Like if you want to succeed, you better play by the rules that already exist. Um, So he is looking at what would an actual solution be? What kinds of values would we need to rewrite and replace and how can leaders do this in the workplace like how can we effectively evaluate candidates for a job based on data rather than on following our guts Um, how can we value things like self control and empathy rather than um, you know sort of compulsive fly by the seat of your pants stuff that gets presented to be confidence those kinds of things Um, and ultimately you know get incompetent people largely incompetent men out of positions of leadership not that there aren't incompetent women in positions of leadership But there are just so few, like relatively few women in positions of leadership in business that the problem largely is the men. Um, And I'm pleased that a man wrote this book. It is nice that the women don't have to do all of the work. Um, So, again, that's why do so many incompetent men become leaders and how to fix it. And I will be reading it and then maybe fixing some things. I don't know. (laughs) All right. <laughs> so that's our show. Thank you to our sponsors. Go to bookriot.com slash read harder journal to get yours today. Go to warbyparker.com slash all the books to kick off your free home try on and get some awesome new glasses for yourself and to as long as we both shall live, which comes with Liberty Hardy's endorsement. So what more do you want? If you have something to say to us, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca shinsky s-c-h-i-n-s-k-y liberty is miss liberty and if you've got a minute you want to help us start the year off right we would love a rating or a review on apple podcasts
1: and as much as we would love to tell you about more books today i need to go sit outside the shelter so (laughs) you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and in the the meantime meantime, happy happy reading